Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative Podcast, the only podcast out there that gives you the best in PGA Tour golf betting tips uh, and the best in alternative music. So, uh, my name is Martin Matthews, before we get stuck in, and uh, of course, those I'm sure most of you know who I am by now, you can find me on Twitter at SundogMonkey, uh, you can follow the pod at The Golf Alternative, um, and if you are enjoying the pod, then uh, please do um, go on to Apple, etc., give us a five-star rating, uh, a review, that's uh, what really does help to grow the pod, so, um, you know, please, please, please do give us some reviews, uh, that's, um, that's, that's, that's really important to us so um yes uh so what happened last week well we had a week off last week uh and um we had a week off the pod but we didn't have a week off on betting and those of you who followed my tips online will know that uh, it was another week of so near yet so far but um we'll, we'll have a recap uh, obviously of last week um more properly in a minute uh but first and foremost um we always as you know like to have uh, a guest on here to chat golf chat music uh, and i'm delighted this week it's a uh, golf alternative podcast debut for uh phil casey phil from pa media um good evening phil um thank you so much for coming on how, how are you keeping hi good evening mine yeah i'm good thanks thanks for having me on and uh yeah i'm very well thanks looking forward to it good well as i say i'm you're a man after my own heart i'm really looking forward to this this pod because um uh not only is phil obviously a golf aficionado but uh he is also um a music buff music lover uh and i do know from some of phil's selections this evening that uh, uh our tastes are pretty similar so i'm i'm really looking forward to his uh, his musical picks uh I, I should say and i'm going to ask you phil in a second to obviously Tell us all about your background and your role in golf, and and uh, you know how how you got into this uh, wonderful world you're in. But uh, what Phil isn't uh, week in week out is um is a tipster. So obviously um he's not uh, sort of doing what the likes of uh, uh, myself and uh, our other guest Dave, Ben, etc. Are, are so uh, so Phil's taking a little bit more of a back seat on the tipping front uh, this week. Um, although I'm going to try and get a selection out of him at some stage, so uh, uh, he's not going to be throwing us a bunch of two hundred to one selections. <laughs> but um, uh, he is um, going to be uh, talking to us about all things that are going on in the golf world at the moment, and um, uh, of course, all things music as well. So, um, so yeah, Phil, I've been really looking forward to having you on. And before we sort of get stuck into what happened in the golf world last week, and etc. Um, uh, etc., et tell us a bit more about yourself and um, uh, what uh, uh, PA Media entails, and, and ha how you got into this game. What, what's your background, as it were? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, basically, uh, PA Media is um, a slightly different name, a bit of a rebrand for the Press Association. And we're the national uh, news agency for the UK and Ireland. Um, and so we supply all the national newspapers, most of the regional papers, sort of Sky, BBC, etc., uh, with sport news and racing, etc., all that kind of thing. Um, and they basically pay for our service and then they can use as much or as little um, of it as they want to help their coverage or to use as sort of standalone um, stories. And um, I got into it slightly um, by accident, I suppose, in that um, I wanted to do actually study law at university um, and got absolutely nowhere near the grades I needed <laughs> to, um, to get the course I wanted and ended up doing a uh, second choice, which was a history degree. Um, and had to do, I suppose, what the Americans would call a sort of a major and a minor. So the, I did, the major was yeah. history, the minor was media studies, because quite frankly, it sounded the easiest. <laughs> um, and uh, 
One of the other options, by the way, was South Asian dance because this was in oh, Leicester. Right, okay. And um, <laughs> bizarrely, I chose not to do South Asian dance. And uh, long story too short, and long story short, um, ended up doing media studies. One of the elements was uh, introduction to journalism. Uh, did that, enjoyed it, found out I had some kind of sort of aptitude for it. Um, and then, so once the degree was finished, I did a postgraduate uh, course in uh, diploma in journalism at uh, Central Lancashire University of Central, Central Lancashire, if I can say it. Uh, okay. And um, then fortunately applied for a sport traineeship at PA. I think I'm right in saying uh, it was the first kind of year they did this. And myself and a few other, uh, I think there was about three or four of us in total, got taken on. Um, and I've sadly, I've been here ever since. They can't get rid of me. Well, you're obviously doing something right, because uh, I, I want to get rid of you. So so I guess the next question is, uh, wh why golf? How, how come golf? I mean, were you, a, were you a golfer, sort of come journalist, or did you sort of morph into the golf world there once you were there? Or was oh, golf well, anybody who's seen me play, as, and as Ben Coley, guest of the pod, will tell you, I'm cer I certainly wasn't one of these sort of good golfers who then became a journalist. Um, I, I mean, I, I do play golf. I enjoy golf. always like watching it. Um but no, I mean, I'll watch any sport. Always loved, um, I don't know if you remember the programme Trans World Sport. It used to be on Channel 4 on a Saturday morning, sort of a roundup of the, sort of some of the right, weird yeah, and wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, I just loved watching sort of any kind of sport. And, um, and and to be fair, when I started at PA, obviously, you couldn't just suddenly waltz into a, a job as golf correspondent. You have to start mm. out doing... Um, well, well down the chain, and obviously you have to co be able to cover um, a lot of sports. So you have to have a yeah. pretty wide knowledge of. And uh, in, initially, it was mainly football. I was based. Um, I started off in Leeds for sort of six months on um, uh, ITV Teletext uh, as PA. I remember that? Yeah. yeah, wonderful time. Way better than CFAX before you say anything. Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> funny enough, that's where Dave Tyndall and I met because we were both on um, Teletext for a while. Right. Um, and then I got moved down to London to sort of continue my sort of traineeship, as it were. And initially, the the job was mainly mainly football, um, sort of Crystal Palace, Wimbledon, in those days. <clears throat> Excuse me, a bit of Charlton, that kind of those kind of clubs. Um, uh, but then I sort of, sort of wangled my way on to covering a bit of golf, um, and I was sort of golf number two, if you like, for. Uh, several years under a, a golf correspondent guy called Mark Garrard. Um, right, yeah, I know him, yeah. He's yeah, very well known, very, top reporter, yeah. excellent uh, journalist. Um, and eventually Mark took uh, sort of early retirement in end of 2012, or just after the uh, miracle of Medina, that finished him okay. off. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I took over as, as officially as golf correspondent from the um, start of 2013. Right, and you've been living the dream ever since. Um, sounds, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so how much? Um, I mean, week week in week out, how much uh, tra traveling would you do, or would you, you, you know, how how many events do you would you attend in a year? You, you know, I'm 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 sort of ignorant of the behind the scenes role of someone someone like you. So, how how much are you there, sort of on on site, or? Yeah, yeah it's, it's sadly it's not as much as uh, we used to do. I mean, back I said back when I was sort of number two with with Mark, we at the start of the year he would basically take the schedule, um, kind of split it in half. He'd obviously pick the bigger events that he mm. should be there at. Um, yeah. And I'd be off to places like Madeira, um, Singapore, uh, Morocco, the sort of the sort of 
second tier, if I can say that, European tour events, mm. uh, as it were. But we effectively, we almost covered virtually every event. Mm. Um, sadly, these days with budgets being as they are and what have you, we, we don't do that anymore. So I would get to, I would say, roughly between 10 and 12 events. So the four majors, um, the bigger tournaments, UK and Ireland, so British Masters, Scottish Open, uh, Irish Open, BMW PGA, things like that, um, and possibly a couple of others if I can um, squeeze it past the past the guys counting the money back in the office. Right. So, would I mean, obviously, we um, uh, we we tend to focus on the PGA Tour on this pod. Yeah. So, from a PGA point, obviously, get out to the majors. Would you uh, would you wangle sort of a, a sawgrass trip, or if if Rory was looking good to sort of win the FedEx Cup or something, would you be able to sort of? Uh, or, yeah, some, or do you yeah, think American budget is purely the majors? Yeah, it is. I'm afraid purely the majors at the moment in in terms of America, because um, obviously we cover we have guys covering sports all around the world and it's course, yeah, as you can yeah. imagine it's a very expensive business so um mm. we have to weigh all, weigh all that up um i have been to sawgrass i've been unfortunate to be there and i played it just with a, a friend um yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day but um no we're kind of sort of restricted at the moment anyway to the to the majors it might change hopefully going forward you never know yeah because um, it would be as you say it, it, it you've got to kind of base it i think um on the sort of merit of the story in, in some respects which is i think partly related to the budget you know is there any merit to being at the madeira islands open yeah. if, yeah, if yeah. that event you know kind of thing was still was still going on mm. possibly not but you're right in you know highlighting something like if rory's going to win the fedex then that would be a, a good event to be at especially for somebody like rory who is such good value for the for the media usually yeah, well, of course, as we go forward, we'll talk a lot more about the world of golf at the moment and how it's obviously uh, uh, the times are changing, as the phrase goes. But mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, but obviously a, a big part of uh, what we're going to be also talking about this this, this week is uh, music. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, before we uh, sort of get into a recap of last week and, and perhaps uh, uh, as a prelude to um, uh, maybe uh, uh, sort of uh, some of not just your views, maybe my views as well on, uh, <laughs> uh, shall we say, uh, one of the tours that's out there at the moment if you call it at all uh i'm gonna let you introduce your 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 first first track and um yeah so uh give, give us your first musical selection of the week okay so i think well i think you've gone for um uh, can't stand me now by the libertines which um i must confess is probably the only song of theirs i really know um just a great tune some great lyrics which um not sure we can say on a family pod such as this yeah. uh, in particular <laughs> Um, but obviously, uh, yeah, the title can't stand me now related to the whole live um, subject, which has sadly seen, uh, I think, so fair to say some relationships have completely dis disintegrated between some yeah, of the yeah. players. Some have been strained, some some not so much. It's, it's sort of interesting how sort of uh, some of uh, some of the big European names, if you want to say Rory and Rahm and even... Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick as well have different views on the whole live and the Ryder Cup scenario, etc. But um, yeah, there's definitely been a, a schism or a split or however yeah. you want to call it um, since the whole launch of live and yeah. and the whole I think that's yeah the whole back and forth between 
he said, she said at the moment is is not particularly helpful. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's not it's not good for golfers. And so we'll obviously talk. talk I think about yeah. more. I mean, I've got a good friend who, um, uh, you know, we've been to quite a few golf tournaments together over the years, and uh, uh, I was chatting to him the other week, and, and he said just this whole thing just doesn't make him want to watch any golf really. <laughs> it's yeah. just all turning him off the game of golf, which uh, uh, you, you know I can understand. But um, uh, but from the Libertines' point of view, yeah, I'd like. I mean, I, I do. Um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't claim to be a massive Libertines fan, but I do think um, uh, Pete Doherty or Pete Doherty, I should say, is, is <laughs> sort of quite an underrated songwriter. Obviously, back in his day, he was more sort of um, almost became like a you know because of his connection with Kate Moss or whatever, became like a bit of a sort of a, uh, a tabloid um, joke, if you like, from the point mm-hmm. of view of obviously um, you know sadly all the drugs problems he's had and what have you. But as a, as a songwriter, I think he's incredibly talented and um, you know probably uh, underrated. But um, yeah, so um, so don't forget. Um, obviously, uh, you'll be able to listen back uh, if you are new to the pod. You'll be able to listen to the playlist. I put it out, um, link it out on Twitter. Obviously, it's on Spotify, so you'll be able to listen to the playlist afterwards. And um, yeah, it's nice to have the Libertines as uh, our first tune. So um, so just before we sort of start talking about the Mayakoba this week, which is obviously the uh, the big event, um, as it were, uh, quick recap on last week. Um, don't know how much uh, golf you saw. We'll talk about the um, uh, the PJ Tour and the um, uh, the DP World Tour first of all. And uh, um, it was a second win in um, uh, Europe for, and a second win on the PJ Tour, respectively for Jordan Smith and um, uh, Seamus Power. So uh, a lot of talk with um, Seamus Power, uh, uh, Phil. With um, you know, he could be a sort of dark horse for the Ryder Cup. Do, do, do you see that, or do you think that's a bit of a bridge too far from winning Bermuda to suddenly be talking about? him as a Ryder Cup player no I mean I think he's I think he's certainly got a chance and especially with you know it's all linked to live we can't get away from it um depending on the resolution of this um hearing in uh February which will decide whether the live rebels uh can still earn points on the Europe I keep saying European tour I can't bring myself to say DP world (laughs) tour um if they can still earn points etc and qualify for the Ryder Cup that certainly opens up a spot or several spots, in fact, for players like Seamus, who, and to be fair to him, he's been on a, I mean, steady meteoric rise is a, is obviously a contradiction in terms, but he's been impressing more and more over recent years. As you say, it's his second second win on the PGA Tour and um, will earn him a, a decent number of um, uh, Ryder Cup ranking points. Um, so, yeah, I think he's uh, he's, he's got to be thinking of it, and I'm sure he is. Um has that as a target for uh, for next year, and um, why not? I mean, he's he won. I believe he was the top ranked player in the field last week. I must have was, on yeah. holiday last week. I didn't I didn't see a lot of golf, but I saw the last. Funnily enough, turned on for the last few holes mm-hmm. um, of the of the event uh, in Bermuda, and yeah, as a, to cope with that pressure of being the top ranked player in the field uh, and come through and and win it. Um, Should give a lot of credit to him and. As I say, he's been steadily improving for, for several years. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a, he's a late bloomer, isn't he? Because he's sort of mid thirties or something like that now. And uh, as you say, it's only really the last two three years um, that he's. Uh, I guess it was that sort of win at the Barbasol, which was another sort of. Uh, well, that was obviously Bermuda wasn't opposite field event, but it was a sort of a uh, should we say a lower lower key event. But the Barbasol was an opposite opposite field event, and uh, uh, his win there was what sort of um, you know catapulted him really. And as you say, he's been um, very very steady ever since. So uh, uh, fair play to him. I mean, I I was from our point 
point of view, and, and uh, so we didn't have a pod last week, but for those of you who saw my selections, uh, I'd put up Aaron Badley at 150 to 1. Yeah, so well, uh, uh, it was uh, the second week running that we'd had a, a three figure. Um, uh, price player sort of right, right in the hunt because we had uh, Kurt Kitayama 125 to 1 the week before at the CJ Cup uh, and uh, I mean he never really looked like beating Rory on Sunday or, or getting the edge on, on Rory uh, but that was uh, uh, obviously a nice place and then um, same again with Badley which uh, I actually had high hopes going into yesterday's round I didn't necessarily think that um, uh, Power would sort of um, uh, cl close it out and uh, uh, I suspected Griffin might feel the nerves a bit, and that was, um, I mean, also that'd be a massive learning curve for him, and he's a great young player, but that'll, uh, uh, you know, he certainly unraveled a little bit on the back nine and in the difficult conditions, and uh, I had high hopes that uh, Badley, who was obviously... Um, the, the sort of biggest uh, historical winner of, of of those in the top four going into to yesterday would um, uh, sort of call on the reserves of uh, his past and uh, you know playing playing great golf through the week might be able to get the job done and uh, uh, I don't know if you saw this film but he double bogeyed the second hole the past five. I actually saw uh, your tweet so <laughs> so at that point to be honest it was a reasonably congested leaderboard it was sort of went from what was the legitimate chance to win to suddenly thinking God he's going to have a nightmare shoot seventy six and blow the place money as it were. But uh, fortunately, he actually rallied very well, and um, uh, um, he, he actually still had a chance going down, going down the back nine. But uh, it wasn't quite to be. But uh, so that that was a good week for us, and uh, I actually thought it was a great event to watch because I know it didn't have the um, uh, the high quality names there, or. Um, you know the box office names, but um, I, I enjoy. And maybe I'm, I'm sort of in the minority, but I enjoy watching these events where there's a lot on the line for players like Badley or Ben Crane who are trying to reignite a career, or someone like Ben Griffin who is trying to obviously um, take that first big sort of life-changing step to that first PGA Tour win. And um, uh, and um, you know I enjoy because that that to me is is real pressure uh and i guess that can sort of morph us into um what was going on over in uh in, in miami and uh <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i'd rather be watching i mean I, I i didn't watch um and i haven't watched uh since the very first week in london where i watched about 10 minutes of the broadcast i haven't watched any live golf so i'm not gonna claim and i'm sure some people would say to me well if you haven't watched it how can you know it's not for you but i i yeah i you know i hear enough reports about it i mean i was listening to the no lying up podcast guys this morning talking about how sort of yeah you, you know the, the music was sort of booming in a way in the background and uh, uh much as i love my music i won't be on a golf course with uh, i think i said it was maroon five you know <laughs> sort of blaring out whilst um pat perez was trying to hit a key shot out of a bunker or something like that so uh, um but um yeah i mean to, to, to me it's just i don't get you know, golf, golf to me is all about the pressure and, and top quality sport is all about the pressure of, um, uh, you, you know, having to achieve. And, and you, you know, what what's in it for Dustin Johnson to what other win? I don't know. And I'm plucking these figures at random to win eight million in a week or five million in a week when he's got 200 million you know, upfront signing fee, it just doesn't doesn't work yeah, for me. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So. I know exactly what you're saying. It's, um, yeah, it, it kind of leaves me, leaves me cold. I mean, I've been reading various things today and yesterday about, oh, here's, here's how much each player on live has won and here's Dustin Johnson took his season's earnings to, I think it was $36 million or something daft like that. I mean, but as you rightly say, he's, yeah, he didn't need that money. It doesn't make any difference. Um, I mean, I was at the first uh, live event as it happens, the only one I've been to um, in um, 
Hemel Hempstead. I know you, I know yeah. you did say London, and they keep yes, they called it London, but it wasn't London, was it? Yeah, near London, but anyway, um, that's my beside the point. Um, and I just, yeah, it struck me as um, very noticeable that I well, know he's possibly not the most demonstrative person in the world, anyway. But Charles Swartzel tapped in on the 18th green from about two feet to win four million dollars, and you know, he'd look like he was his cat. You just told him his cat had been run over or something. It was yeah. just complete non-event in terms of you know, it meaning anything in a true sense. Mm. Um, but at least, to be fair, at least to him, to his credit, he was the most honest we got at that stage in the press conference afterwards where he basically said, yeah, I've never cared where the money comes from in my career. Um, it's money. I'm just, you know, he was at least honest in that sense that that's what he yeah. was doing it for, which is yeah. at that stage we were kind of... Mm. That's not not begging for people to be honest, but we were kind of hoping just you know don't don't try and say it's grow the game whatever. Mm. Just be honest. You've been offered an enormous amount of money, and everybody in your position might have done the same. Just sort of come out, just be honest about it, um, yeah. rather than the sort of uh, various reasons of uh, you know spending more time with my family and grow the game and yeah, all that nonsense, some rather right. disingenuous reasons. Just you know, come out and say it. Look. You know, if Live Golf offered me twenty million dollars to be their press officer for a year, <laughs> would I have yeah. taken it? Who knows? But you know, absolutely, and that's you know, a few people have said that to me. You know, get off your get off your high horse, sort of. You know, if you were offered ten million dollars to go and you know do betting tips for them or something, of course, yeah. of course you take it. And yes, I, I you know, to be totally honest, I probably would. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, it's relative, isn't it? So if I was being paid, um, uh, you know, if 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 Ben decided to be offer offer me a three million contract at the sporting life to do their betting tips uh and then Liv came along and offered me 10 million then no i'd probably be quite happy with the three million <laughs> so uh, so it's all relative you know why why does um you know i mean not even let's not talk to dustin johnson or cameron smith and and you know i, I cannot you know i can i mean i understand you know i understand richard bland or peter uline or, or, or whatever you know i get yeah. that and uh, yeah. uh and there's a difference um you know between them and um uh, and then you look at Joachim neiman and you think why you know what he's he's obviously you know to me he's been badly advised or or, or whatever because you know surely you you want to test yourself against the best in a proper environment and uh uh you, you sort of thrown that all away for the foreseeable future basically for for what when he was on on to you know making making millions anyway probably on the pj tour so um, um yeah so 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 what i mean well i guess sort of two-part question i mean i do, do you have to sort of, um, I mean, you're not going to the events, but do you, do you have to sort of uh, write about it, report on it? Is it? Do you have to sort of follow who's winning what and doing what and uh, what what have you? And, and, and I guess following on from that, where where do you see it going over the next sort of uh, twelve months? I mean, do, do you see um, uh, do, do you see the DP World Tour struggling more and more because of um, uh, you, you know it becoming sort of more of a feeder tour for the PGA Tour, if, if, if you like? I mean, how, how do you see this all, all sort of shaping out? If that's not too big a question, no, no, it's, uh, it's fine. It's a, it's sort of taking the first question first. I mean, we've taken, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we've taken kind of an approach um, since the first event of um covering covering the actual golf if i can put it that way covering that in, in a, on a merit only basis and by that to give you an example because obviously I, so i went to the first event because obviously it was a pretty big news story in in yeah. itself and obviously we we kind of knew that as soon as the uh, players teed off they were probably going to get banned um yeah. so there was a lot to write about there etc 
Um, since then, in terms of I say the actual golf, we've we've sort of thought, well, if there's any merit in, if there's a story in it, we should write about it because at the end yeah. of the day, it's you know you can whatever your views on it. If if there's a proper golf story, if somebody shot fifty nine, then it would be worthy of a story. Um, so basically, we wrote or I wrote about um, Stenson winning on his first event because obviously yeah. he'd only just. Um, given up the Ryder Cup or been sacked as Ryder Cup captain a few days beforehand. Yeah, that was obviously we thought newsworthy. Mm. Um, and then we were obviously writing about all the stories around it, so the world ranking things. Uh, mm. Phil Mickelson's claim the other day of "Oh, I'm on the right side of the decision," etc., etc., etc. But in terms of the actual golf, um, we've taken a, a decision of yeah, not not ignore it because we're obviously um, we're paying attention, but we will write about the actual sporting merit um, mm. on a case by case basis, sort of thing. So we're not yeah. as uh, we're not particularly interested in you know so and so has won so much money mm. uh, over the season because you know Dustin Johnson winning the, winning the individual title a few weeks ago. You know the desk asked, "Is this really worth anything?" And I was like, "Well, no, I don't think so." It's mm. it's a, at the moment it's and they I think apparently they, they hate the word exhibition, but at the moment it still is. Yeah. A very lucrative exhibition series of events if mm. and when it turns into something else and they get world ranking points etc we may mm. have to take a, a a different decision but um and as for your sort of second question where's it going to go um it's tough to say i mean it, it does look like it has more legs than maybe some people maybe we thought at the start um going back to obviously phil's when phil's comments came out and rory said oh it's dead in the water I think a lot of people kind of agreed with Rory, thinking, well, they've got three or four players maybe lined up, maybe as much as 10 we subsequently found out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it was looking pretty pretty dodgy at that stage. Um, and you have to give them kind of some credit and say, well, look, I was the first event at uh, St. Albans, uh, sorry, uh, Hemel Hempstead at Centurion. Yeah. It, it looked remarkably like a golf tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And there were things that were a bit naff and a bit, you might not like, but just wandering around the sort of tented village, um, it felt like a golf tournament. There were crowds there. Obviously, the tickets mm. were free or whatever, but all given yeah. away pretty much. But the people I saw there looked, they were enjoying it. They were curious, fam- you know, people with kids, families, just wanting to see big name golfers, and that and yeah, they, yeah. that's what they had. So, um, as I say, you give them credit; they've pivot, they had to pivot from the. Initially planning to stop launch the fourteen events this year, they had to just suddenly go to what right eight events, and they've, they've clearly done a lot of things on the hoof. Um, yeah. You know, they couldn't spell Wade Ormsby's name for the first yeah. few days, in, in yeah. little embarrassing things like that. But um, yeah. they've put it; they've done well to get a you know series of seven, eight golf tournaments yeah. on that look like golf tournaments. The TV broadcast, for all its faults, you know, the, from the bits I've watched. Looks like a TV golf broadcast with a few mm. minor additions. So, you know, it, it looks like it's got legs. Um, and again, from what I was reading, some of my colleagues were obviously over in um, over in Miami at the weekend, uh, writing stories from their sort of viewpoint on the ground. And they're, mm. you know, reporting that they're after signing more players. This the, the 48 that we've seen last week. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to be the 48 going forwards. They obviously... The lesser names will get the boot if they can sign mm-hmm. more bigger names on. Shoffley, I think it was, and Cantley again. Um, 
the names being bandied about. Um, and yeah, it looks like it's got legs and no sense of it going away anytime soon. So, so watch. I think we just have to watch this space and see what develops. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of um, you know these a lot of these big names have been rumoured, haven't they? You know, as you say, Cantlay and Shuffler are a couple of names that have been rumoured for quite a long time, but I, I can't remember exactly what they what they've said. But um, you, you know, I think Xander certainly said that um, you know the PGA Tour is supposedly where he, he he wants to be for the time being, and and supposedly they're all now um, uh, sort of uh, uh, you know on board for this. Um, uh, this process next year on the PGA Tour of, of playing the twenty events and what have you. So I, I guess um, uh, uh, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I, I think this thing about. I mean, I, I'm curious to get your opinion on this uh, uh, official World Golf Ranking Points mm. um, sort of saga because um, my understanding of what um, uh, you know, you'll be more up to speed on this than I am. But my understanding of what I've read about the criteria to get official uh, to get the ranking points uh, is that. Basically, they're nowhere. They're near, nowhere near doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is they're supposed to have uh, the majority of the events are supposed to be no cut events. Uh, sorry, they're supposed to have cuts. Uh, they're supposed to be seventy-two holes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and basically, all the things they're they're, they're, they're not doing. So um, I, yeah. I don't understand. Uh, and then you know you're supposed to do what you're supposed to be doing for twelve months or something like that. So uh, yeah. so, so I don't understand why they are sort of thinking you know we'll, we'll get these world ranking points straight away, and even when they tried this little stunt through the Minotaur or whatever it's called, um, he, 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 you know, they wouldn't have had um, the majority of the events as, um, you know, if they kept their same format, they still wouldn't have met the criteria. So, so it seems to be, on one hand, you've got sort of their miles off from what they're supposed to do. And on the other hand, you've got Greg Norman and his cronies sort of telling all the players, oh, we're, we're going to get them. We're on the verge of getting them. And you sort of think, well, so, someone's got to be way off here. So what's yeah. your understanding of it? Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. As far as, as you say, there are a list of criteria. Um, they fail on several counts, The one, pretty much the ones you mentioned. Um, and I think it's purely a case of live golf trying to um, – gain the upper hand in terms of the public reaction or put the pressure on um, the world got OWGR to um, to make a decision quicker than would be standard. Um, and, yeah, sometimes you do wonder from a PR perspective from Liv if they'd have been better off just, you know, with Norman not coming out and saying a lot of this stuff because, mm. you know, they put in that <coughs> – excuse me again um, – they put in the um, – application officially on july the 6th if memory serves um that sort of emerged during the open this year um and then on some respects they've, they've got a, a a legitimate case in terms of the strength of some of their fields um obviously it's you've got dj and cam smith and uh, Kepka, yeah. etc who obviously are top world-class players the, the strength of depth doesn't go down far enough you've got some players yeah. Obviously, they don't really merit it, but they do have a, a case in in some respects. But then they decide to, you know, this as you said, this stunt with the Mina tour. Um, it was like an Alan Partridge sketch. It's like yeah. he says, "Oh, I'm not driving him in a metro." <laughs> I don't know if you Liz, uh, his uh, his PA is trying to tell him, "Oh, it's a Rover Metro now." He's yeah, like, yeah. You've just rebadged it, you fool! <laughs> you can't just stick another name on it yeah. and say, "Oh, we are now the Mina tour," which you patently aren't. Yeah. So um, I think that was, <clears throat> sorry, uh, partly just badly PR, I think, advised that it felt like, you know, they couldn't wait, they couldn't be patient and just let the process happen. They felt like they had to be 
you know, maybe they had, as you say, promised the players Ill, with ill-advisedly promised them, oh, we will get world ranking points. They can't deny us. And they hadn't really thought things through or look, looked at yeah. it properly. And the players had gone along and believed it. And now they felt under pressure to um, to deliver this earlier than they, they should get them, in theory. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say <clears throat> on the counter argument to try and be fair to live, because I don't want to be all, I don't want to just completely bash it. Um, one of the uh, sort of the uh, OWGR uh, criteria <clears throat> does say that effectively it, give, it gives the the board of the OWGR carte blanche to sort of ignore all their own um, criteria. Yeah. In some respect, it says it does say that you might get you might fulfil all the criteria and still get turned down, but at the same time you might not fulfil all the criteria, and it's still in their blessing. So there is that sort of loophole, if I, if I can call it that. But right. um, yeah, on the on the face of it, they don't meet several criteria, and therefore they're probably going to have to wait their turn because I don't yeah. think um, the people running the world rankings are of a mind to um, sort of suddenly cave and just give in. Yeah. And just say, all right, there you go. Um, which is clearly what Norman and etc. were trying to do. Yeah. Um, as I don't, I don't, I don't think it's happening. But they did. They will. They will probably get them in the end. I think just by if they do sign more and more top quality players. Yeah. Then yeah. the argument of um, the rankings losing some credibility by not having, for example, DJ and Cam Smith yeah. included somewhere in the top fifty. Mm. Gain gains a bit of ground, um, but again, yeah, I just think it's going to take longer than Live would. Uh, yeah, there's a, to at this stage. There's, there's, there's a tipping point, isn't there, on on the players? I guess, and and um, you know, obviously, Cam Smith was 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 the big loss so so far. I mean, even DJ. I mean, I know he's been hoovering up in this. Uh, uh, well, it's, I believe he's been hoovering up, so I've not really been watching it, but he's won a heck of a lot of money, so I assume he's been hoovering up. Um, but, <laughs> he has, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, um, uh, but even he, before he went, um, uh, you know, went across, he was uh, not in the best of form, and obviously he's of an age now where you could say, sort of, was he at his peak, part getting over over his peak, but obviously Cam Smith, in theory, has his, his sort of best best years ahead of him still, and, and um, Neiman's certainly another one like that, but otherwise you could could sort of go down the list of players and you know your obvious ones your garcias your polters your cases etc and uh uh and, and sort of say okay well um you know these guys are cashing in because they're they're past the best but of course if they do start you know chipping away and um or continue to chip away and you know sort of you know using your, your examples of your can't lays your chauffeurs you know if they sort of somehow got hideki or, or or whatever and uh and suddenly before you knew it you almost had a 50 50 split of um uh where the best players were then i think you know inevitably the the two tours would have to sort of come together and cohabit somehow and um uh you know may, maybe the way forward on that front is that uh uh greg norman is is sort of um perhaps uh should we say transitioned uh out <laughs> of the picture and and uh someone else comes in so that uh uh the pga tour don't lose face so much of sort of not having wanted to sort of sit down with greg norman you know someone else comes in who offers a bit more conciliatory tone and a conversation starts or something i, I don't know that's speculation obviously but um uh but uh, i guess watch this space into next year i'm sure uh, there'll be plenty uh plenty going on there so um and uh, as i mentioned there was another another win for a a, a mr smith over on the uh, uh 
about the DP World Tour, Jordan Smith um, finally getting, uh, he's had a great season. So um, it was uh, obviously uh, a, a good uh, just reward for him to finally get another win. And um, uh, I, I think in, in an opportune way that uh, uh, leads you on to our sec- second musical um, selection and um, one of yours and my my fa- favourite bands, which um, uh, I think we're both men off the same heart here. So I'll let you introduce your, your next tune, Phil. Uh, yeah, obviously that's the uh, uh, the Smiths. Um, helpful segue. Uh, uh, helpful that Jordan won for us the weekend because I was struggling to segue some of these songs in. To be perfectly honest, crowbar would be more like it. Um, but yeah, this one is uh, "Stop Me If You Think You've Heard This One Before," which uh, obviously a reference to the Smiths and Jordan Smith, but also yet again another reference to uh, live golf and the fact that this is Norman's uh, at least second, possibly more than that, uh, attempt to. Um, uh, set up a world tour. It got oh. kiboshed back in oh 30 years ago or so, I think it was, yeah. um, when Arnold Palmer, I think, was a key figure in um, uh, keeping the PGA Tour on track and uh, stamped knocking down uh, Norman's plans. But um, mm. as has been pointed out elsewhere, he's, fi- he's found, finally found somebody with the unlimited money to potentially uh, get it off the ground. And... Um, yeah, and uh, also a sort of reference, I suppose, to the fact that the idea for Live Golf is, I mean, the, P- the guys behind the PGL, PGL would certainly say this, that's it effectively nicked their idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. came up with uh, kind of this a couple, a couple of years ago, this sort of 18, um, sorry, this 54-hole um, concept and the team concept and all that kind of thing. So, uh, uh, yeah, they, they would certainly think um, that they've heard this one before, as it were. Yeah. Well, I'm quite happy to hear this one again because I'm, I'm a massive Smiths fan. Are you? Um, uh, it sounds like the, the Smiths, um, from what I picked up, are, are your, your sort of uh, are your band, as it were. Um, uh, uh, yeah, certainly one of them. Though I was, I must admit, I was. Um, they'd already split up by the time I pretty much found out who they were. Um, right. Because I'm of a, I'm of a, I'm of a certain age, so I was. Um, yeah, I was born in '74. Right, and I guess the Smiths were what eighty four to eighty eight or something like that. Um, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thereabouts. So I, by that stage, I wasn't really into mm. uh, their kind of music, and um, to my embarrassment, I, I, I discovered them by I was in a nightclub in Sunderland uh, yeah. when I was about seventeen, eighteen, I guess, and yeah. they played "How Soon Is Now." Which right. gives you a clue to what kind of nightclub this was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody shoegazing for about yeah. eight and a half minutes. Yeah, and, um, I had to ask somebody, "Oh, this is brilliant! Who sang this?" And he looked at me with sort of a mixture of pity and despair. Yeah, uh, said, "It's the Smiths, you tone deaf idiot." And um, yeah, so, so I sort of went back and discovered their music um, and uh, got into them that way. But I said, "By I think by that stage, I'm pretty sure they'd already." That was it. They'd, they'd already split up. Yeah. On. Well, obviously they were. Um, uh, yeah. They they uh, uh, pulled the plug fairly early in, in the you know sort of um, helter skelter career, as it were, and um, and then then it was no it was no more. But I mean, I, I there, my one musical regret I never got to see them live. Um, I've got I've got a few years on you, so I could have could have seen them seen them <laughs> live. I was of an age that I could have got them. I never got to see them live for whatever reason. And um, if I'm ever asked, I wouldn't necessarily say they're my favourite band of all time. They're certainly one of them but if i'm ever asked who i think the best band of all time is then the smiths is the answer i tend to give because i just think they're so unique um you, you know absolutely no one has 
been anything like them um, or before them. Obviously, there's been a few uh, sort of um, uh, sort of attempts to copy them since, but I mean, they they were just completely unique. And how soon is now is arguably my favourite uh, Smiths track. Um, uh, as, uh, we we can sort of ramble on about uh, obscure Smiths tracks all evening. Um, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I tell you what, Martin, this will make you feel old. I, I just happen to I'm in sort of my home office, as it were, and I've got a. a a coaster somebody gave me, which is a sort of a reproduction of an old uh, gig ticket. Yeah, I've actually got one myself. You've got oh, one. Well, you got. I've got one. Yeah, yeah. You might have the same one. This is from the City Hall uh, from Newcastle <laughs> on Pontine, unfortunately. <laughs> um, which was obviously the Smiths plus support uh, Sunday, the 24th of March, 1985. And it was five quid. Right, so they, well, that makes you that makes me feel really old, but yeah. Um, well, I've, I've got um, uh, Brixton Academy, uh, yeah. 12th of December 1986, because I'm looking at it right here actually. So, uh, <laughs> and my wife picked it up for me in a souvenir shop somewhere, and um, uh, it doesn't actually have the price of it on there though. So, but it was Friday the 12th of December, um, and uh, at the Brixton Academy 1986. So, they, they, there you go, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive Smiths fan, so um, uh, so before we get because uh, of course, there'll be people listening in who want to think. Thinking, what about the Maya Cobra? I want my golf tip. So uh, uh, we were getting there in a minute, I promise. But before we get there, I'm going to throw my first song in of the week. Uh, and um, I've gone um, something in honor of Seamus Power. Uh, and I've gone back to um, uh, the early 90s to a uh, uh, a band who I think uh, was sort of possibly touted by, probably by the record company as someone who would be uh, uh, sort of uh, perhaps uh, um, a follow-up to sort of U2 or something like that. Uh, uh, and they were another Irish band, so as a link there to Seamus, but uh, they're called Power of Dreams. Uh, so there will be some people out there who might remember Power of Dreams. And they had a song called A Hundred Ways to Kill a Love, uh, <laughs> which was from uh, their only album, I think. I might be I'll stand corrected. They might have had a second album, but they were uh, they weren't around long. They sort of came up with a bit of a fanfare, and, and this song I think was sort of their their big tune, if you like. And then um, uh, they vanished into um, into thin air, pretty much. So, um, but uh, it's a good tune. It's a good sort of um, it, sort of Irish guitar in, indie rock song. Um, Hundred ways to kill a love by Power of Dreams. Um, so that's my first uh, tune for the week. Um, and um, right, the Maya Coba. Let's get down to business. Um, and um, uh, it is, of course, our second trip of the year, first of this season, but second trip of the year, calendar year for the PGA Tour over to Mexico. Uh, long-standing event. Uh, it's been part of the full series now for um, nine years, uh, played at this time of year. Uh, and we are at El Camellon, a uh, par 71. Uh, we're on the coast again. Um, it's a 7,000-yard track or thereabouts. Um, so there's certainly some comparisons to uh, last week's um, uh, Bermuda event there and several players. Of course, have made the way over from Bermuda to um, uh, Mexico, uh, and um, it is a Greg Norman design. Um, uh, talk of the devil, uh, and uh, yes. Yeah, so, as was the other course that was played in Mexico earlier this year. So, certainly, um, uh, sort of something worth sort of thinking about there. But. Um, we're on Paspalum Greens, uh, which um, are the same greens that you will see uh, at the Corrales event um, uh, and also the uh, uh, Puerto Rico event. So uh, two other sort of um, uh, lesser events, if you like, played on, on the PGA Tour opposite field events. Um, uh, so, yeah, the other Greg Norman design we have on the PGA Tour as well is uh, the Valero Texas Open, uh, TPC San Antonio, home of the Valero Texas Open. Uh, so that's also uh, something bearing in mind. Uh, but um, 
basically, we're looking here for um, solid ball strikers, players who are good on these shorter coastal tracks. Um, uh, your obvious uh, list of courses, so Wildlife for the Sony, uh, Puerto Rico um, Corrales, as I mentioned already, Hilton Head, uh, Sea Island for the RSM. Uh, they're, they're the sort of tracks we're, we're looking at. Um, uh, and we have a man going for a three-peat this week, which is Victor Hovland, who has won the last two editions. And uh, I suppose to sort of tie in with what I was saying about the links, Hovland got his first PGA Tour win, win at Puerto Rico. Uh, and then um, he's picked up two titles here as well. So he's a bit of a master of these types of tracks. Uh, we've also seen Brendan Todd win here in 2019, straight after winning Bermuda, literally a week or two weeks before. Um, we've seen Matt Kuchar and Patton Kaziah win here in 2018, 2017, and they both went on to win the Sony Open in Hawaii the following January. Uh, we've seen GMAC win here back in 2015, and of course he's got a CV of wins on these types of tracks, uh, Hilton Head, the Corrales, etc. Uh, so very much that's the type of player player we're looking for so um uh, have you seen much of this event over the years phil does it um uh do, does this event and indeed these fall events inspire you to sort of watch golf and um or do you, you get to the time of year where you're thinking <laughs> put your clubs away and let's all come back in january uh, yeah very much the latter i think i'm certainly among those who thinks yeah this is yeah golf needs an off season as rory i think was saying the other day that um these are the kind of events that yeah yeah I did. I said I must. I did. Did enjoy the the the, uh, the finish on Sunday because it meant something and it was a bit dramatic yeah. and uh, Griffin sort of blowing up and power hanging on to win kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of thing can be interesting, but I must be honest. No, I haven't seen a, a great deal of this over the years. Uh, I remember G Mac winning uh, a few years ago. G Mac's one of my favourite players to um, to watch and to speak to. He's always always good value. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised, despite him going for three in a row. I was almost. Kind of surprised in a way he was in the field, given the obviously the time of year it is, and sometimes yeah. they you know they don't fancy uh, playing that much um, uh, this time of year. But it's um, it's an interesting uh, Norman design, as you say. It's, this is, I think this is the one I'm right in saying that's got a a cavern in the middle of the first fairway. Yeah, I don't know if it's the first fairway, but it does have a cavern. Yeah, it's so, got yeah, yeah, <laughs> something yeah, yeah. a big hole in the middle of the fairway, which um, yeah seems appropriate yeah, yeah. somehow. But um, no, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's all, as, as you said, weather dependent. If you get a nice sort of sea breeze blowing, an entirely different golf course than if yeah. it's flat, calm, and they'll, they'll, then they'll tear it apart. Yeah, no, so just like we saw at Bermuda at the weekend, obviously, yeah. um, you know, different course over the weekend than it was Thursday and Friday. I think coming back to your point about, um, and again, as I said, I was, I was listening to the guys on No Laying Up talking about this um, last night. I mean, I'm of the school of thought that, um, you know, it's it's... There's a golf chat. There's, there's a golf channel on golf, the golf channel in America. There's uh, Sky Sports Golf. Um, you know, if if people want to watch golf, put it on. I understand it can it competes with the football season in America and and at this time of year. And, and it's like okay, so you know that you know the American sort of market might say okay, well, what's the point of this? No one's watching and what have you. But ultimately you know you have a tour which is catering and that's always been you know the argument of the pga tour uh, you know in their sort of um uh what's the word i'm looking for their um uh sort of rebuff of of, of live in, in that they are obviously supporting all of their members not just rory and um uh, you know jt etc they're uh they're supporting uh you know the um, uh, the Griffins of this world and uh, the Aaron Badleys who are trying to make a comeback, etc. And uh, um, 
and there has to be opportunities for these guys to play and find that find their way on and, and what have you and uh, um so what's wrong with having a lesser event where lesser bigger names play and if people don't want to watch it they can switch off and uh, uh if people do want to watch it they can watch it but um, yeah, that's, up, that's you, absolutely fair point and yeah, yeah. you're right it, it's what yeah it's like watching a, a, a safety exchange in the uh, in the snooker at the crucible, crucible at one a.m. So, yeah, this one's for the purists, and, and yeah, well, if you're a purist, then it, you'll enjoy it. You can, yeah, and, and, and that's you know, you watch know, it. yeah, that, that's the thing. To, the thing to me is it's um, you know, as I say, it's giving opportunity for the players to um, to take their chances and um, uh, you, you know get work, work their way up the ladder, aren't they? And uh, yeah, it's all. I mean, not so much this week, but last week it almost you know could be classed as a corn ferry event, uh, and, and you know worse than a corn ferry event in some ways with some of the people who are making up the field. And uh, uh, there's certainly an argument for maybe let's just cap it off at 120 players rather than giving uh, you know Omar a restier start or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe I'm being unfair to Omar because I've no idea if he well, wasn't. No, you know, I mean? so, um, so um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, uh, you know, I think it's got a place, and um, you know, I really enjoyed watching last week event, last week's event because it, it meant something to the guys who were on, on, on the leaderboard, and you could see it did so, um, yeah, um, so um, yeah, so so but this week it's, it's got to be said, we have a um, uh, certainly a stronger field than, than last week, and uh, uh, from a betting market point of view, there's four players really who are the, the sort of big guns, if you like. The four, uh, uh, um, well, three three Americans, one one European. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Hovland going for the three peat. Uh, we have uh, recently dethroned world number one Scotty Scheffler, who's just about edging Hovland for favoritism. We have Tony Finau, uh, and we have uh, Colin Morikawa. So they're they're the big four, um, uh, but um, not too dissimilar price wise. And I'm going to be coming on to this to Morikawa. We also have uh, uh, Billy Horschel and Aaron Wise um, around that eighteen to one mark as well. Whereas Sheffield and Hovland around tens, Finau sixteens, uh, Morikawa eighteens in one place, and, and say Horschel and uh, Wise eighteens and twenties for Wise in a couple of places. So, um, so uh, yeah, it's um, it's going to be an intriguing event, and uh, you know, obviously, um, the question is, can Victor um, deliver the three peat? Uh, and um, I'm not siding with him. I'm going to start my selections uh, with the aforementioned Colin Morikawa. So, um, and um, this really, to be honest, to a certain extent, is a, a price pick because. Um, Morikawa, as we, we've seen, and I'm sure you've uh, uh, noticed with, with his sort of uh, history over recent years, is Phil. He's a, he, he's the type of player who one week can be all at sea, uh, as he was at the Scottish Open a couple of years back, and then um, uh, or a, a year and a bit back, and, and then he comes out the next week and wins the Open Championship. So uh, <laughs> you know, he's uh, uh, if it clicks and it clicks um, on the greens is, is the key thing. Uh, then um, uh, his ball striking is always going to be there, and, and what. Um, um, what I've seen with Morikawa's late is despite his results being a little bit sort of lacklustre, you know, sort of uh, 29th, I think, or thereabouts last time out at the CJ Cup. Uh, he's striping it from tee to green um, just as, um, you know, not quite at his absolute best, but uh, uh, he's um, uh, still hitting it, you know, as good as pretty much anyone, and certainly as good as anyone in, in, in this field. Um, uh, he um, uh, ranked in the top half dozen from uh, tee to green, greens in regulation, um, off the tee, basically everything um, in the long game department at the CJ Cup last time out. Um, and um, 
uh, ranked 77th out of 78 players on the greens at Congaree. <laughs> so, uh, but um, he uh, obviously he's won the Open on slower greens. The Pestalum is 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 slower greens. Um, he uh, performed uh, well at Kiowa Island, which also has uh, Pestalum greens in in the um, PGA Championship uh, a year or so back. Uh, and um, he's also uh, performed well at the uh, Sony Open in in Hawaii, which, as I mentioned, uh, while I correlates nicely here. So. Uh, and I think he'll be motivated because he's not won, won this year. So um, this will be his first year on tour. He's not had a win if he doesn't get a win. Uh, and I just couldn't have him, you know, bearing in mind he's a two-time major champion and, what, I don't know, half a dozen uh, tour titles already or, or, or thereabouts. Um, I can't have him at the same price as Aaron Wise, with all due respect to Aaron <laughs> Wise, who, who obviously has a great profile for this week, has been playing some great golf, has played well here before, but the fact remains he's only won once on tour. Uh, and if you ask me who I want to back at 18 to 1 this week, Aaron Wise or Colin Morikawa, or I'm going to take Morikawa every time. So so it's a price pick. Um uh, 18 to 1, two and a half points each way on Morikawa. And um he's flushing it still from T to Green. Um the last six winners of this have all been top 10 greens in regulation in the week um, on the old-fashioned stats, if you like, and um, he will find his fairways, he'll find his greens, and if he suddenly finds his putter, then um, bingo, it all clicks together. So um, are you a Colin Morikawa? Well, I'm sure you're a Colin Morikawa fan, but what, what have you made of his uh, made of his year? Uh, do, do you think um, he'd be disappointed with his 2022 so far? Or? Well, yeah, as you rightly say, if if, if <laughs> players, excuse me, yeah, players of this caliber are looking for wins, and certainly at this stage of his career, and with two majors already in the bag, that's yeah, he's not going to be interested in racking up a load of top tens. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan, both of him personally to sort of speak to from a media point of view, um, and also as you say, just a quality ball striker. So. Um, he did see, as he, you're probably aware, that he said several times this year he seemed to have lost his little uh, fade um, yeah. that he was he's used to playing with, which must have been worrying, sort of dis- disorientating, I suppose, if you're just used to, you've had this throughout your career, just aim five yards left of the flag and hit a little baby fade in there, and yeah. suddenly you're hitting pulls and all this kind of thing, then it'll seep through your game pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I can't, obviously can't argue with your analysis of it. Um if it's flat calm, will he make enough birdies? Yeah, if it turns into a putting contest, yeah, that would be the you'd, you'd kind of want it for it. I think for him for it to be slightly more difficult than just a straight out um, shootout. But um, yeah, I was he's a, he's a class act, and um, yeah, he'll be very motivated, as you say. To well, as you say, <laughs> it's technically next season, isn't it? <laughs> I yeah, suppose, yeah, 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 end the season, start the season, whichever way you want to phrase it. Um, he'll he'll be motivated. He must be obviously to to travel down there to. to yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's his first time he's played the event, so uh, you, you know, um, Scheffler was here last year and finished fourth, so you can understand why why he, he's back there. And obviously, we know why Ho- Hovland's there. Um, Finau, he's he's. Um, I mean, I guess my. My my view on these these top four, obviously Hovland's going to be the one under pressure. Finau's not played for um, God knows how many weeks, um, something like you know a couple of months or something like that. I think, uh, and um, Scheffler obviously looks like um, he's he's sort of hit the wall a little bit for uh, for twenty twenty two. So um, uh, so uh, Morikawa was the obvious one for, for for me at the top there. So uh, just picking up on something you said, actually, he's a a great guy in, in the press room and, and focusing on the P- PGA Tour. Um, 
um, guys momentarily, or you know, Europeans on the PGA Tour as well, but the guys, you know, you, you'd potentially see at the majors or whatever or not from the PGA Tour. Um, uh, I guess it's a t it's a double-edged question. You know, you know what the question is going to be: who, who who's your favourite um, man <laughs> in the press room, and who, who who's your least favourite man in the press press room? If uh, but feel, feel free to take the fifth on that one if you don't want to answer that. So uh, oh well, no, they're all they're all marvellous, Martin. Obviously, as you know, they're obviously all lovely. Lovely chat. Absolutely. Yes. Um, oh, I mean, in terms of favourites, as I, I mentioned earlier on, I, I get on uh, quite well with GMAC. Um, yeah. I have done over the years. Love, you know, he's a great interviewee because normally, like, I'm not a great interviewer. I must admit, mm. I've never, never feel that comfortable doing it. But mm. the best thing about GMAC is you ask him one question. Fifteen minutes later, he's answered all the questions you might have thought of, and you <laughs> haven't had to do anything. You just sort of stand there, and he just. Same with Harrington, goes off on yeah. one and in a nice way uh, yeah. and rattles on. Obviously, Rory's fantastic value, um, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'd struggle to find a bad one, I would say. Um, and then Brooks gives you a one-syllable answer and looks as though Brooks you just ask be, if you yeah, strangle is, your cat or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, sort of, I, I compare Brooks, and I don't know if people agree with this, but I compare Brooks with Andy Murray. Right. In, uh, he can look sullen. He can look like, as you say, as you say, that he wants to kill you, and it's delivered in a monotone, as yeah. if he can't be bothered a lot of the time. Mm. But then you go back and you read the quotes, and you go, "Oh wow, that was a good quote," because mm. he'll say he will say what he thinks. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, in some, I, I don't mind Kepka for that. Um, <laughs> obviously, everybody can have a bad day and be in a bad yeah. mood, and blah, blah blah. But the one. Put it this way, I wouldn't say I'm not. A, I don't dislike Cameron Smith, but I'd certainly say he's he won't be sending me a, a Christmas card anytime soon after what happened at the Open this year. So maybe I can say Cameron Smith, even though I've got nothing against him personally. But yeah. I don't, he's not my biggest fan. Um, uh, because am I, don't, I, am I allowed to ask what happened at the yeah, Open? No, no, yeah, that, it's, but, yeah, it's quite well known. It was just um, obviously after, in the winners' press conference at the Open this year. He sat there obviously with the claret jug on the table. Yeah. Um, I backed him by the way, I should say this. So I was happy to see him have that claret jug with a pocket yes, talk. But, uh, also, but yeah, yeah. carry on. Yes, yeah, so I also had him at 22 to 1, so that was nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, so just the, the, basically, obviously, we we're all chasing live stories during that week, etc. Yeah. I'd had it from uh, one source that Smith was interested or was being, you know, we were all thought he'd been linked to it. There were all these names being bandied about. Uh, Matsuyama, as you mentioned earlier on. Uh, there was this talk of an Australian team, yeah. uh, obviously with Smith, Leishman, um, and possibly Adam Scott. The thought being that you know if, if they get Smith and Leishman, that'll put almost pressure on Scott to join up, sort of thing. Mm. Um, but anyway, so um, Smith was one of the names being bandied about. Um, I had nobody had, had like asked him about it, as far as I was aware, directly. And so in the sort of winners' press conference, I thought, well, I'll ask him about it. Um, so about 10, 12 minutes in, I think it was. No, it didn't look like anybody else was going to ask him. So I thought, well, this might be my only chance because um, he obviously he's going to leave on Sunday night from St. Andrews and I might not see him for weeks or months afterwards, whatever. So I stick my hand up, get the microphone and ask him. And I, I start off with an apology. I say apologies for asking in these circumstances. But, you know, I've been told, you know, there's a chance you might sign for live. Is there any truth in that? And we got his famous, oh, I don't think that's very good, Mike, or whatever he said. Yeah. Um, well, that's not very good, Mike, or something like that. And then I said, well, yeah, I appreciate that, but 
the question's still out there. Yeah. Any interest? And then he said, oh, I'll, I'll leave that to my to my I didn't know about his answers, but I didn't know it was you who'd asked the question. So. Yeah, so um, he, yeah, I don't think, uh, as I say, I'll be getting a Christmas card from him anytime soon. But um, yeah, I just, I just, you know. Well, it's a question to be asked, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, good, good on you for getting out there. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, as you say, he's um, he, he probably not going to be on his Christmas card list. But uh, yeah, no, but at least thankfully he did then go and sign for them because that was <laughs> yeah. I would have looked like an idiot if it, if there'd been nothing in it. But obviously, the way he answered the or didn't answer the question. Mm. We all thought, oh, he's off. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, what a nonsense answer. You know, I leave that, you know, so, so uh, I, I don't get involved with where I play golf. My advisors decide that. Exactly, like, yeah. Well, if you just come out and said, that's no, that's ridiculous, I'm not interested, I'd look like an idiot. And yeah, he'd yeah. Be, yeah, nobody would have made a, a bad an eyelid. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so it was, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting, as you were saying earlier on, the, sort of the names that kept get bandied about and Hideki mm. being one of them that yeah. I had from the sort of same source that... You know, was he going to go? Did his head get turned in, in the end by what Tiger and Rory cooked up in that, yeah. in that hotel room sort of thing? It's, it's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. That... Well, I think. Well, again, you know, you'll be close to this, and I am as well. We'll have a tenth hand and read online or whatever. But uh, supposedly, um, obviously, Hideki is someone that they're really sort of pulling out all the stops on the PGA Tour side of things to make sure it's right for him because they know what a big, uh, yeah, you know, what a big, um, a big deal it would be if they lost him. So um, yeah. Um, anyway, we move on, and um, I think it's time for another tune. And um, yeah, um, maybe um, uh, Cam Smith's agent couldn't find his phone to let him know <laughs> what was going on. Um, so uh, that segues us into uh, your next selection. Uh, yeah, this is um, uh, Still Can't Find the Phone by uh, Gene, um, uh, which is a band I sort of got into uh, through a friend at when I was doing the journalism uh, course at Preston, who once she discovered um, that I liked the Smiths, she was like, Oh, you must like Gene, or you'd like this then. And I was like, Oh, no, I've never heard of them. Um, yeah, and um, I don't know. If, I can't remember if I borrowed the album or whatever it was. But um, yeah, listen to uh, the album Olympian uh, by Gene, and um, yeah, this is one of the uh, tracks off the off their first album, I believe. Uh, stand yep. to be corrected, but um, yeah, we really got into them and uh, sort of bought all their subsequent uh, um, output. Mm. Um, sadly, never saw them live, but um, another quality um, indie selection. Yeah, no, they're they're a great band. I'm I'm a big Gene fan as well. So uh, as you said, there was a few bands around that time. Did you ever come across the band Marion? Um, no, I didn't you? actually. No, I don't know them. Right. Well, I will. Um, in in your um pilgrimage to find the sort of uh Smiths wannabe bands, uh, I will <laughs> um uh set you some homework to go and listen to Marion and let me know what you think of them. And um, uh, Marion were a fantastic band from uh, I think they're from Macclesfield, uh, and they had a lead singer. Um, uh, well, I say they did. I mean, they still in some way or another do i think loosely exist um but they, they the lead singer um goes by the name of jamie harding uh and jamie harding had um an incredible voice live absolutely fantastic band and um they were sort of a slightly moodier rockier sort of smiths they sort of were all black and there was a bit of a sort of i wouldn't say goth edge there but a sort of um you know darker edge to them and um they had a couple of um i had a song that you would recognize called um 
um, it was it was used on a car advert, and I can't remember the name <laughs> of it now, but uh, it was used on a on a car advert. Became quite famous, um, uh, and uh, and they're a fantastic band. Actually, the only time I ever saw the Smiths live, the only time I ever saw uh, Morrissey live in the flesh was at a Gene gig at the Rock Garden in Covent Garden. Oh, nice! Um, uh, where uh, Marion were, were, were playing. Sorry, not a Gene gig, a Marion gig, uh, and um, Morrissey was there checking out the uh, the new upstarts, if you like, and um, uh, and. Uh, me and my mate were at that gig, and it was like, oh, there's Morrissey there. Uh, and he was sort of standing at the back and um, sort of uh, making sure no one really spotted him, uh, which wasn't very really <laughs> easy, obviously. Uh, and, um, yeah, but they were a fantastic band, so check them out as well, Marion. But um, uh, Gina are um, uh, a great band. And uh, and sad, just to finish on off the Jamie Harding story with Marion, uh, it all went horribly wrong for Marion when um, Jamie Harding sadly um, became a major heroin addict. Oh, uh, right. And um, his his life went completely. I mean, um, I, I don't know if he's written a book about this, but he certainly sort of talked about it on subsequent interviews and stuff. And, and it just spiraled into complete disaster, basically, to the extent that he was um, actually uh, sent to prison in the end for arson. And um, uh, he, um, uh, yeah, he lost his way completely, he was sort of homeless and sort of you know the drugs completely ripped into pieces he nearly died a couple of times had to have major heart surgery very very sad story uh but he recovered to a certain extent and um they actually played some gigs a few years back so um yeah um so um uh but that's uh anyway gene was your selection still can't find the phone uh and um onwards we go with the golf and uh my second um pick for uh this week's event is um andrew putnam uh, and uh, Putnam's available at 66 to 1, or he was earlier, uh, I think he still is, um, going fifth of the odds, first eight, one point each way. Uh, and Putnam, in simple terms, is just playing some really good golf at the moment. Uh, he's a one-time tour winner, um, four years back now at the Barracuda. Um, but... Um, He's a player when he gets on a, on a bit of a roll, he gets his sort of confidence going. Uh, and uh, he's um, he's just been on one of those rolls of, of late. Uh, he's... Um, uh, um, where are we? Um, he finished second at the Zozo a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he... Um, um, uh, he was uh, fifth, I believe, at the FedEx St. Jude uh, back in the last season. Uh, and um, he's just doing everything very well at the moment, uh, from, from from tee to green, uh, playing solidly, putting well. He's always been a good putter. Uh, and I just thought 66 to 1 was a fair price. Um, uh, he's finished runner-up at the Sony, which we mentioned links well here. And he's also got um, some strong uh, performances at uh, uh, the Corrales and Puerto Rico on his CV as well. So, uh, so it's Andrew Putnam for me, second second off the rank, if you like, at sixty six to one. Uh, is he a player you know much about at all, Phil? Uh, he isn't. I must confess, um, I was sort of surprised when you reeled off all his sort of um, uh, quality finishes. There, it's um, he's not somebody I know particularly well. Um, sort of, the, I know, I know you're probably going to ask me this later on, but seeing as you mentioned his price at the same price at um, uh, sixty sixes, I think. If I let me just double check, yeah, um, you can also get uh, Keith Mitchell. Who would be somebody I'd might be throwing at you um, as possibly my choice? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just uh, obviously former Honda Classic winner on a, yeah. a, a tough, windyish golf course. So if the, if if the wind blows, um, this is something that might suit Mitchell. He's um, not been tearing up trees on the PJ Tour this season, as it were, but he has. You know, he finished tied 60th at the Shriners and tied 40th at the CJ Cup. So nothing spectacular, but also nothing terribly wrong so that was just um 
uh, just a name I sort of came up with. Uh, yeah, well, I actually I, I, put, I put him up at the CJ Cup a couple of weeks ago. So um, yeah, and uh, as you say, he came came fortieth. Played, you know, didn't, didn't play badly, but um, as you say, didn't pull any trees up. But he does have, uh, uh, and again, I'm going from memory here, but I believe he does have a runner up at the Koralas, um, which uh, again, obviously ties in nicely here with the uh, Paspalum Green. So um, uh, so he's, he's he's certainly not a bad shout. Um, absolutely. So are you much of? Um, I mean, are you, you you sort of shy away from from the tipping? side of things but uh uh do, do, do you like a punt on the goal for you um someone who sort of has a has a few players each week or just more for the bigger uh, yeah, sort of semi-occasional as or semi-regular i should say um obviously i follow guys like yourself and ben and dave um because i got a uh, new i said new dave a few years ago and got to know uh yourself and ben over the years um so yeah i, I keep an interest um i don't i think what i found is that um and I've, I've I've done a few sort of written a few pieces um, as part of my duties kind of thing when we get asked to do that. But um, I think you've got to really sort of devote a bit of time and mm-hmm. uh, effort into it, as I know yourself and and Ben and and Dave do. So um, I, I do sometimes feel like oh, you, I'm kind of not not exactly stabbing in the dark, but I'm having a bit more of a uh, looser swing, shall we say, <laughs> um, uh, at it than the professionals. So. I was actually going to ask you, um, Martin, what, what's your sort of, um, how do you sort of weigh sort of course form versus um, current form when you're weighing things up? Um, and how, where do you sort of draw the line when you come into to these kind of picks? Um, I think I'm very much someone who looks at historical trends of an event. Uh, so um, I would more historically be drawn um, to um, someone's, correlating course form that would totally their current form uh but also um and I know this sounds like i'm sitting on the fence slightly uh i would look at what type of player that player is from the point of view of are they a um a james hahn or a jim herman uh who can literally come and win when they've missed sort of half a dozen cuts yeah. uh, or are they someone who um historically uh has has really sort of um uh what sort of telegraphed their wins uh so billy horsham will be a good example of that uh he's, he's a player who um if you look at when all of his wins have come um he's uh <coughs> excuse me he's shown some really solid form in in sort of not the immediate week before but in the uh in the sort of you know month or so before you know he's, he's stacked some high finishes uh but i will look at an event and i will look at um the history of that event so that's what i tend to lean a lot of my hat on so if you look at this week's event for example the, the koralas um uh, there's i'm sorry the, Corral, the mycoma <laughs> um, it helps if i'm on the right event obviously that's a good start <laughs> um, uh I, you know the the winners of this until hovland defended last year of course uh the winners of this over the previous years um uh, certainly since it's been played in the fall uh had no course form hardly of any note between them basically so it's not an event an event where um you know you really need to have performed well before uh but um if you looked across at sort of other events uh then you would see that sort of i don't know kuchar obviously was someone who'd won at sawgrass and won at hilton head before or, or, or what have you so so i i would coming to an event like this, I would look back and I'd think, okay, so who's won here? Um, uh, you know, Cooch's won here and he obviously had a history on other correlating tracks. Uh, GMAX won here and he had a history on other correlating tracks. I mean, the one we were talking about earlier, we didn't even mention the fact he'd won at Pebble Beach, another short coastal track, obviously. So so, so I would then think, okay, so um, 
that's the profile, the type of player I'm looking for. Uh, whereas there might be another track. Um, I think Tory Pines, off the top of my head, the Farmers, is an event where um, the winners, if you look back, had all had uh, you know a previous high finish there or something like that. So then you're looking more closely at the uh, your course history. So I think it's it's it, it, it's a mishmash of ultimately the type of player you're looking for and the type of event you're looking for. But uh, of course, what you're saying is, and I wouldn't put myself in the category of a, a Ben or a Dave who obviously doing this full time professionally. Um, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't put, put myself in, in their, their league in any way, shape or form, but um, uh, you, you, you'd like to think you can get an edge, uh, you know, and you can pick up on something that the bookmakers aren't picking up on. And from that point of view, um, I'm purely focusing on, on the one tour. I don't have the time to do two tours, the DP World Tour. That's why I don't profile it. So some of these guys who do the two tours and then the Japanese tour and the LPGA <laughs> as well. I mean, I think, God, you know, where, where do they find the time? So uh, so does that sort of answer your question? Or no, have I given yeah, you a bit of a GMAC and gone off in 10 different directions? So. No, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's a... It's a um... It's a, it shows a facet of how it's sort of, I think, moved on and uh, golf tipping and in general has possibly improved over the years that people do, you know, dedicate more and more time to it. And, and they think, yeah, not I'm, I'm thinking in, in, uh, sometimes in a very basic, is he in good form? Has he played the course well? Or yeah. does the course suit him? Like, for example, you know, if, if Soren Kjelsen is in fantastic form, but then you take him to, I don't know, Aaron Hills, which is... 7,800 yards for a US Open, you wouldn't back him in a million years. Yeah. So, but that's a very, yeah. uh, I think that's kind of a, a semi basic approach to knowing something about it. Whereas, yeah, you guys are clearly work, you know, working on different levels. And then you factor in like, oh, it's a ball strikers golf course or it's a, um, the, uh, the key stat is scrambling or the key stat yeah. is putting, et cetera. I'm just, I'm just interested to how you guys approach it when. There are so much. There is so much more um, information seemingly available now with all the strokes gained, stats, etc. Yeah, which, well, that, um, that, that, that's it. And it's. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not saying the other guys approach it the same way, way as I do. And but you know, more often than not, you know, you can come up with someone who's a bit left field, or you think they're a bit left field, hmm. and then you know, a couple of other people are putting them up as well because, of course, everyone's looking at the same uh, yeah. same information you are. And um, uh, I, although I think I was one of them um, you know because there's this thing that comes out each week there's someone who correlates all the tips from the various tipsters and then sort of tweets out sort of uh uh you, you know the, the, where, the money's gone, like, yeah. where the money's gone yeah. and uh, uh i think i was literally the only person who'd put up out of the people who are obviously on this this guy's grid anyway uh put up aaron badly last week but i know a few other people certainly thought about him and um uh and uh you, you know i like to think sort of as i say i'm uh, you know, my logic in picking badly last week was that sort of edge, the fact that he's got a, you know, he's, he's been working with a new coach and his game had been coming around nicely and he's got the correlating form at the uh, the other the other tracks and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And even though he'd missed his cut on, on his only other trip to Bermuda, um, you, you know, that made, made him come on my radar, whereas maybe on, you know, the general sort of odds compiler for the, for the layers, he, he wouldn't necessarily have been on, on, on the radar. And now, of course, it 
paid off last week with Badley, but another week the, the same type of selection would miss the cut by a mile, sort of thing. So, uh, are, you, um, are you sticking with him this week, Martin? I think. Uh, you, well, yeah. uh, yes, we're going to come to that. Yeah, but uh, absolutely, yeah, he's on, on my radar. So, um, uh, and one of these, I've been, I've been dying to get to this, this story, Phil. So, uh, well, uh, we, we're going to get this one out now because I'm going to segue in this nicely. If um, Andrew Putnam does go and get the win this week, he will be back at Augusta next year. <laughs> uh, but um, you, you've got the well. He's been to Augusta once before, to be fair. So uh, uh, you haven't got completely edge in it. But I believe you you have played Augusta. So come, I've been dying to hear about this. And uh, uh, t- tell me what you shot. And uh, did you find the water on the twelfth? And uh, yeah, how was it? Uh, well, thank you, thank you so, for indulging my shameful bragging or boasting, whatever you want to call it. But um, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to um, to play Augusta in 2016, the year uh, Danny Willett won. Um, and for those people who don't know, uh, basically the members of the media covering uh, the Masters are very fortunate. We're allowed to put our name in a draw um, uh, to play the course on the Monday morning, uh, obviously afterwards. Um, and uh, I got uh, pulled out. Uh, it was probably the oh, fourth or fifth time maybe I'd, I'd put my name in. It was the first time I'd, I'd been drawn out. Um, and so they give you a tea time on the Monday morning, um, on the sun, on the day before, or possibly on the Saturday before the, they give you a little briefing about what to expect, all the rules, the do's, the don'ts, etc. Um, and then, yeah, so you, you, you're told to basically turn up, um, exactly an hour before your tea time. You're not allowed to just sort of get there at half six for breakfast and, uh, sit around for five hours. Um, uh, but yeah, so get there, you sort of pull up, drive down Magnolia Lane, uh, very, very slowly, as everybody does, um, yeah. taking <laughs> taking pictures of, of um or footage on your video on your on your camera. Uh park up right outside the clubhouse, uh there's sort of valet parking, you sort of uh, they take your clubs, take them to the range for you. You're allowed to get changed in the champions locker room. And I think I, I had Sandy Lyle's locker which he shares with somebody whose name is going to embarrassingly escape me um but it's a tiny as you probably know it's a tiny the champions locker room is on top of the re- the regular locker room it's tiny so it's you have to sh- the some of the champions have to share lockers mm-hmm. and uh yeah went hit some balls on the range uh hit a stone cold shank with a six mm-hmm. iron which was lovely um but then miraculously got on the golf course um and uh, birdied the first, birdied the tenth, and shot eighty nine, which I was absolutely wow. thrilled with. Because as as Ben will tell you, and has no doubt prompted you to goad me about. <laughs> excuse me, I'm a <clears throat> excuse me, very erratic. I don't know, fifteen to eighteen ish handicapper. Yeah. Um, so to actually stand up there and you know hit obviously from a forward tee let's be honest we're not, yeah, we're not, yeah. they, don't, they don't put you off the back tees but otherwise yeah, yeah. the pins etc are all the same as the sunday final round yeah. uh but yeah hit drive a nine iron to the first to about 12 feet and hold it <laughs> and possibly should have just walked off there and then um yeah. uh but uh yeah and just a fantastic experience um oh, i'm sure yeah yeah and uh yeah i had a, had a great time and um yeah and possibly never to repeat it because you were um once you've played it, you're not allowed to put your name in the ballot for the next right. another seven years to sort of obviously give everybody a, a better yeah, chance yeah. Of, of being drawn out. So I think. Yeah, you're back in again in a year or so. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, whether I'll take my clubs or not, I don't know. But um, 
because uh, obviously it, it will ruin my great story of you know. If you read 112 next time or something. Yes, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I, I keep telling people I'm probably the only person in the world who has a career lifetime average of under par on the first and the tenth of Augusta. So if I keep <laughs> if I play it one more time, then that obviously that that, that statistic is shot to pieces. So I may just retire there and then. Yeah, well, that's um, I mean, to, to go and uh, well, to, to play it's amazing, but to play play that well is incredible. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good, good, good for you. Round, round of a lifetime. So, yeah, the greens they were as fast as normal, or they um... were, <clears throat> excuse me, they're obviously they weren't double cut on the morning yeah, we played yeah, them, yeah. but obviously they're quicker than anything yeah. I've ever played on before. But, <clears throat> excuse me, strangely, the I actually put it quite well, obviously, to shoot uh -huh. something like that, but um. The, the three guys I was playing with really struggled because they were all they left everything short mm. because they were the you know we were all thinking God these greens are going to be so quick yeah, yeah, yeah and then yeah. you end up just tippy tapping everything yeah, and, yeah. You know, then you leave yourself six foot for par you know for par or bogey yeah. or double bogey whatever yeah. um but the, the the thing I tell people that they don't quite it's it's tough to say it's actually off the forward tees again it's mm. relatively playable for even for people of my mm. our standards because even if you do hit it a long way offline chances are it's in some pine trees or whatever and you'll find it i only lost one ball for example um mm. whereas the places i usually hit it on a golf course you know you mm. can go through half a dozen yeah, um yeah. so it's actually you know pretty wide in in most that places of, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah, find yeah. you'll obviously with a caddy you'll find your ball chip mm. it out you know take your medicine kind of thing it's actually yeah, yeah relatively you know relatively playable um yeah. and if you avoid the water then um yeah it was, uh, yeah. It was fantastic fun yeah well good good for you um and um yeah let's uh let's have another tune and uh, uh i guess if putnam at 66 to 1 uh uh nicks a place we would probably make a uh, a slight profit or a slight slight return so that oh, leads, like leads us I'm, I'm getting good at this aren't i could be uh, uh, i could be smashy and nicey or whatever on the <laughs> tj front so, uh, yeah. yeah so pop pickers give us the next tune uh so yes yeah, so, well I, i've gone for a slight return by the blue tones um i was basing it on uh the possibility of uh, Scotty Scheffler's making a slight return, or the slight possibility of him making a return to World Number One this week. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I much prefer your uh, segue. Um, but yeah, Blue Tones are a bit similar to the Libertines. I can't say I'm a massive fan. Don't know all their output, etc. Mm. But this was um, obviously a massive song at the time. Yeah, uh, whatever year it came out. Um, and yeah, I thought it, uh, a, a very a very good tune from a um, a band who sadly didn't seem to last much longer than their they're sort of one big album. Yeah, I had a couple of albums, I think, possibly. But, um, yeah, they were part of that sort of Brit, Brit pop, second division Brit pop band, weren't yeah. they? So um, maybe that might be slightly harsh on them. But uh, <laughs> they were in that, that sort of um, uh, sleeper, echo belly sort of type yeah. um, uh, uh, genre, perhaps sl slightly a, a notch above them. But uh, this is a great, great song, as you say. So, um, so uh, mo moving on. And um, my next selection, and perhaps this is a good example of, um, uh, you know, you were asking me the question about, sort of um what i'm looking for in in players or in an event or, or what have you so um so my next selection this week is cameron champ and um basically uh and this is incredibly simplistic i, I appreciate but um having backed him at 125 to 1 when he won uh the 3m open um uh last year with this strategy um i'm quite happy to stick with it um it, my strategy for cameron champ is um 
it appears to be his want. He goes AWOL for the vast majority of the season and and uh, uh, just seems to lose his game completely and, and miss a whole host of cuts. Uh, and then he suddenly seems to sort of show something uh, and then jump on in the next week basically uh, it's as simple as that uh and um i mean if we look at he's obviously a, he's i mean he's you know i've called him in my write-up an, an enigma of a player and i think he is that because when he's on and when he looks you know he's in contention he's totally fearless looks like a world beater looks like he deserves to be playing alongside the Schefflers and Hovlands of this world and, and and could easily be a sort of top 20 or top 10 player. Uh, and then you think when he's obviously he's not in the TV coverage and he's just missing cut after cut, you think, what, what on earth is he doing the rest of the time? So um, so he's now got three tour wins to his name and um, each of those wins came when he'd showed a bit of something the week before uh, or the start before. And two of them obviously came at this time of year as well in, in, in full events. But uh, um, if we look at his last win, uh, he'd missed a bunch of cuts on the spin and then he came out of the John Deere Classic and came 11th. Uh, and um, uh, I jumped on in the week after at 125 to 1 or the start after 125 to 1 and he won the 3M Open. Um, um, I backed him earlier this year uh, after he finished 10th at Augusta, having just done nothing basically all season. Uh, I jumped on him for the Mexico Open, of course, on a um, Paspalum Greens uh, and also another Greg Norman design. Uh, and he finished sixth. And um, he, he, you know, he, he was in the hunt in that event. So, uh, and then he's literally done sort of next to nothing since uh, until last time out at the Zozo, uh, he's um, uh, popped up and finished eighth uh, on a track that you wouldn't really see as being his his sort of um, uh, course, really, out in Japan, a pretty pretty tight track. Uh, and, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's green light time for Cameron Champ um, because, as I say, as soon as something clicks, uh, he seems to follow up next time out with another another really good performance. So um, if you then add in, as I say, that he's got a couple of his wins at this time of year uh, and um, he's um, uh, finished 10th here uh, before in 2018 where he posted a 62 that week, uh, then um, we know he, he can handle the track. Um, and as I say, something's clicked in his game. Uh, he's a proven winner, and at eighty to one, um, I'm not going to miss the opportunity. So it's uh, uh, it, it's Cameron Champ for me. So um, is, is he a player you like, uh, Phil? Um, it, yeah, you know, as you say, you rightly say he's a streaky, a streaky player. But it sounds like you've, word, you've, yeah. You've, yeah, you've you've hit on the you found the the streak as it were, or you found yeah. the formula to to successfully back him. So I mean, he hits it a mile. So you know, it's a pretty short course this week, I think, isn't it? Relatively speaking, yeah. so. Not necessarily that big a deal, but obviously clearly hugely talented. And yeah, the key is obviously finding him at the right week, which is obviously the the tricky thing to do. But yeah, sounds like you might have um, hopefully fingers crossed have, have found the pattern of you know. Yeah, getting... I mean it's, it's it's a simplistic formula that seems to work for him so far. And of course, I'm sure a time will come, and it might be this week that he has a good week and then just disappears again afterwards for another month or something. But um, uh, but while um, well well that's what he's doing when um, you know he finds it one week and pushes on the next. I'm uh, uh, I'm going to um, uh, going to stick with what's what, what's worked before, and it certainly worked as I say at the three M Open. So. Um, so it's Cameron Champ for me. And um, before I, I wrap up my selections with my last couple of 
bigger price picks. Um, I'm going to do something. We've not done this for a few months because obviously a lot of our guests have been sort of uh, uh, re returning guests, as it were. Uh, but the first time I have people on, I like to sort of throw a few questions at them, what we call the back nine or what I call the back nine anyway. Uh, and um, uh, Phil, Phil has not been uh, prompted on these questions. He doesn't know what <laughs> questions are going to be. Uh, so they're a mix of sort of music and um, uh, golf related questions, Phil. So I'm just going to fire these at you and um, there's no wrong answers. So um, yeah. So, <laughs> They might um, be. <laughs> well, quick question number one. Um, first, well, I suppose uh, I think your age probably, probably CD is what we're looking for. But first mm. record bought. Um, so uh, obviously, if it was vinyl, even better. But uh, yeah, the first uh, piece of music, shall we say, that you oh, bought. Oh, good lord! Uh, I, oh, I think the first single. <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing. I think the first single was possibly the Chicken Song by Spitting Image. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that wasn't what I was expecting, but no, yeah, okay. And, but the first vinyl, the first actual album, I, I did did buy some vinyl before CDs. We started going on to see uh, was possibly the Christians album. Right. Okay. I don't know if you were a fan of the Christians, but yeah, their first eponymous uh, album. Which well, I remember them. I wouldn't necessarily cl um, claim to be a fan, but I certainly remember them. They were a family, weren't they? That was basically their name. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah, the, two, the, two of the three were um, uh, brothers, if I remember rightly, from uh, yeah. Liverpool. Great. Yeah. Uh, really good band. Still going. They're, they're on the kind of. Um, uh, reminiscence circuit, if you like. Of, uh... Right. Okay. Uh, sorry, that's quite a long answer. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, first gig you've been to? Oh. Um, uh, probably Deacon Blue, Whitley Bay Ice Rink. Right. Uh, I quite like Deacon Blue, actually. So, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they don't necessarily fit in my sort of uh, indie sort of um, persona, if you like, but uh, I do quite like Deacon Blue actually, a couple of uh, uh, is it uh, ship called Dignity or, or indeed, yeah. First, uh, first live golf tournament you ever went to? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, um, it might have been the 90, 98 Open, I think. Justin Rose Open. Oh, well, uh, we're Burkdale. just finished fourth, yeah. That, well, that's that's my neck of the woods. So, um, oh, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm over in this part. That's part of the world. So, uh, yeah, I remember it. So, um, yeah, I'm not from here originally, but uh, um, my, my my wife's to blame for me being in this part of the world. But <laughs> um, uh, I'm a southerner originally. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, I know Burke. I've actually played Burke. didn't do as well as uh, you did at uh, Augusta, and I'll, I'll leave it as that. But uh, I have played Burke. It's um, a tougher course, Burke. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough course. <laughs> Um, certainly was for me anyway. <laughs> uh, from a, from a betting, I know sort of uh, betting isn't your focus, but what would um, you know, have you got a memorable golf winner you can think of that you've had your, your best winner? Um, memorable golf winner. Um, I was on, I think the, the first of Alathabal's Masters wins, uh, which I was probably too young to actually have a bet at the time. So I must have got somebody to place it for me, but I'm pretty sure I was on. Uh, Ollie's uh, first Masters win, so that would be that would possibly be one of the most memorable. Was that when he did the dance, or was that the Ryder Cup was the dance? No, the Ryder Cup was the yeah, dancing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, most memorable gig, uh, best gig you've ever been to. Uh, I saw a Radiohead at a sort of a fan club only gig in uh, London. Name of the venue escapes me. It was a really small. Astoria, possibly, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and a friend, a friend of a friend, was actually a mem the the only one of us in the fan club, uh, and therefore he was able to get tickets and uh, saw Radiohead 
up close, um, and they were fantastic. So that was probably the best one. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm I'm, I'm gonna sort of trot out me a sort of uh, back back in the day before they were famous type sort of cl cliche now. But uh, uh, I was so I was brought up in Essex and um, and uh, I was of the age profile to be uh, fortunate enough that a lot of these bands in in the early '90s were were sort of coming coming round just at uh, uh, my my time, if you like. Um, and uh, I had a friend. Who um, and he went on to be, you know, no, I shout out to John Dunn wherever you are these days. Uh, but he went on to uh, do sort of quite sort of big time um, pr promoting. Um, he was um, quite heavily involved in the Latitude Festival over in Suffolk, okay. still is quite possibly as far as I'm aware. Um, but um, uh, he um, he was a promoter. He sort of just got into it, and putting on gigs in the, uh, a small venue in. Uh, in uh, in Chelmsford in Essex, where I'm from, called uh, the Y Club, uh, and um, all of these bands in the early '90s came came through the Y Club. So I got to see sort of Radiohead on their sort of um, you know their first tour, if you like, um, uh, or maybe not. Well, yeah, certainly sort of before you know sort of Creep came out and, and yeah. what have you. So um, in this sort of you know hundred. Per person venue and any had Oasis in Chelmsford as well in the uh, very early days and um, Ash and uh, all these bands. So, uh, uh, so, so that was my era. But yeah, Radiohead, fantastic band. I will confess, and uh, I know you're a big Radiohead fan. We'll talk about them a bit more as we, we go forward. But uh, um, they they sort of perhaps went a bit too noodly for me for one more <laughs> phrase. So uh, I'm very much more of sort of someone from uh, uh, the Creep or anyone can play guitar era that kind, that kind of thing. So uh, <laughs> you're not. Um, Hello. One of my one of my best friends is the same. We we he sort of he might even have kind of got me into radio. He was yeah. he was more into them than I was initially. Yeah, uh, but he very much kind of lost interest with the sort of the kid a amnesiac yeah, uh, yeah. stuff. And I keep trying to tell him now. He's like, oh, even the little more like more, most recent albums, um, like the moon moon shaped pool and all that kind of stuff. I want him to listen to that, but he's just like he's more very much of a a Benz. Kind of yeah, the Benz, yeah, absolutely, lost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pablo like Honey and the Benz, what have you? Uh, uh, are you a Muse fan? Do you like Muse at all? I don't, do you know what? Muse is one of the bands I hate. And I, <laughs> I, the only reason I say that is because somebody said to me, "Oh, you've got to listen to this. This is like a bit like Radiohead." <laughs> and I bought the album and I didn't like it, and I was so I kind of resent them more for that than possibly they deserve. So I don't really want. You know, I wouldn't. I'm sure they're lovely chaps. Is it Matt Bellamy? Is the Matt, Bell is Matt Bellamy, yeah. Which, which um, album was it? Can you remember? Uh, Showbiz. Was it Showbiz? Show, right, yeah, the first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, they do, they, that, if you'd said it was like sort of, I don't know, um, uh, Drones or something, one of the more recent ones, I'd have been like, well, it sounds like not radio, but Showbiz, there was, because, I mean, you know, certainly they've probably got their record deal on the back of sort of, or, you know, record company looking for the new radio head or something yeah, like exactly, that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, but no, I mean, um, Showbiz is a great, Showbiz is a track's fantastic track, and Origin of Symmetry, the second album's a brilliant album as well, but if uh, uh, not your cup of tea, then um, I won't be able to persuade you. So uh, well, yeah. no, I was possibly unfair to them. You know, it was just one of those things where whoever I can't even remember who recommended it, and I listened to it. And I was like, no, no I'm not having this. But <laughs> fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Um, uh, okay, next question. Um, your dream four ball. Uh, now, it can only be musicians or golfers. Uh, they can be alive or dead. So, you know, let's not throw any politicians in there or anything like that. So just uh, literally musicians or golfers. So you're one of them, obviously. So um, three, three more. So three more. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I'll probably stick with golfers just because... 
You don't yeah, think Tom York plays I have no golf, musical. <laughs> I don't say I have no musical ability or whatever. So I find it hard to talk about music or as uh, to, okay. you know, why why is some, you know, anyway. Um, so, oh, uh, so let's say uh, Rory McIlroy, yeah. obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, oh, um, uh, Arnold Palmer, because I think he's got he'd have some great stories yeah. about the the good old days. Um and oh, oh, you'd have to say Tiger Woods just on the off you chance would. that now that he's loosened up a bit, um, yeah. you might get the true story of some of the. Some I of mean, the a lot of come out now about what he was really up to, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody, somebody like Tiger to, uh, to yeah, try and wheedle something out of him possibly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, and um, uh. PGA Tour courses, your favourite, um, I guess, favourite tournament or course on the PGA Tour each year that you look forward to the most? Uh, uh, the majors uh, to one side, so not a major. Yeah, le- yeah, leaving aside the majors, I really enjoyed uh, Bay Hill. I'm uh, Bay Hill. mentioning obviously Arnold Palmer. I was lucky enough to yeah. play Bay Hill a few years back and yeah. uh, enjoyed it. Ha- you know, happened to play well, relatively well by my standards, um, and always enjoy. I just think it's very obviously similar to Sawgrass. It's one of those courses that you see the same every year, so it's more familiar. Yeah. Um, and it's always, you know, you, you know what to, what's coming kind of thing. So I think that familiarity um, helps. Uh, and just uh, very quickly, another one, so, something like Harbour Town, I'm a big fan of, something completely yeah, yeah. different than the usual, you know, yeah. bomb and gouge nonsense. Um, yeah. So something like Harbour Town, I enjoy, enjoy watching as well. Yeah, um, well, I've been to the event at Bay Hill a few, a few times actually. Because um, yeah, yeah, you go every you go quite often, don't you? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been. Uh, I've not with everything that's been going on in the world, not been able to get out there last last year or so. We're hoping to get back there next year, certainly. But um, yeah, I've been to Bay Hill a couple of times or a few times. So uh, uh, yeah, it's a great place to go and watch. Absolutely. So um, back to the music. Your your most uh, treasured record, your Desert Island disc, if you like. If you only had one. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Um... Poss probably uh, if it's not probably should be a Radiohead one really, but I'll, I'll go I'll go a Morrissey uh, album Vauxhall and I, which okay. I think is his best album by like some distance, um, and I could probably sing every single word, you know, know every every word so, to that one. That's one so you, would, you you would actually prefer that to a Smiths album, would you? Yeah, I think I, I think I would. Yeah, I think I, just, whatever it was for some reason that was the album that I really yeah. Um, Listen to the most. And, what, what, uh, what the sing- which would be the singles off that album? I'm trying to think. No, so that one's got um, uh, the more you ignore me, the closer I get. Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. My but my favourite song on that album is uh, "Why Don't You Find Out for Yourself." Uh, it's, it's a great sort of like three minute kind of pop song for want of a better yeah, phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I love that album, so I'd probably go with that one. Okay, uh, and the final question. Uh, everyone always gives the same answer. To this I don't know if bother asking, <laughs> asking the question. Uh, the goat, Jack or Tiger? Oh, uh, Jack. Oh right, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, everyone else says Tiger, so I'm. I'm I mean, I must admit, I'm not. Um, y- you know, I'm not someone who automatically goes Tiger. I can see the argument both sides, um, and um, uh, yeah. So I'm. I'm good. I'm delighted to get a Jack answer actually, because most, <laughs> most people always um, say Tiger. Um, so, what would be your reasoning there to, to go Jack over well, Tiger? I mean, on a very basic level, number of majors won is the bit most obvious one, yeah, but also his, his record of. <laughs> I mean, his record in the Open from, I looked this up the other day for some reason, um, from I think it's 1970 to 1980, mm. 
he finished no worse than tied 11th, I think. It's something daft like that. It's like he was, yeah. he either won it or was top six. And I think there was yeah. one year he finished 11th. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. Just and, and, and to be fair to him, he, he himself will say, oh, but yeah, there were times when I was, you know, he's, of his 19 runners up in majors, he'll say, oh, there were times when I was nowhere near winning and I never had a chance mm. of winning. But just some of those stats and, yeah, obviously Tigers are mind-blowing in different ways as well. But yeah, uh, to me, just, yeah, the number, number of wins still just edges it. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I probably would give it to, to Jack if I had to, you know, make a make a call if you like i'm, I'm sort of well so one day i might sort of uh think well maybe tiger another another day i think jack but as you say the number of majors that's the bottom line really isn't it so it doesn't but you know it, it's not something that bothers me that much that i'd uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, some people no. get so upset about it go, oh, yeah wow, no, absolutely yeah 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 Sure. Um, okay, back to the music, and um, yeah, give us obviously talked about Radiohead quite a bit. So uh, uh, I know there's quite a lot of uh, uh, a lot of numbers in play this week uh, with um, Hovland going for the three peat, and um, obviously Scheffler uh, potentially looking for that number one spot again. So um, yeah, give, give us a give, I've teed you up for a Radiohead song. So give us a Radiohead song. Yes, thanks. Uh, yeah, so this one is just called the numbers uh, from as a, a moon shaped pool, which was their last album and uh just a fantastic song they do a, a, a sort of a live -ish, well a very live version uh, that you can get on uh youtube um where just him and uh well sorry just tom york and uh colin greenwood i think no, not colin greenwood johnny greenwood, johnny greenwood um, yeah. yeah uh just sort of playing it on a couple of instruments and a, and a uh speaker but whatever um yeah. And yeah, as you, as we've touched on, my favourite band of all time. Just different, so many different mm. styles. I know what you were saying um, earlier on about when they went from um, uh, obviously the, the bends, etc., and yeah. transitioned through OK, OK Computer, which even I wasn't yeah. um, that big a fan of at the time. So I was thinking, oh, this yeah. has gone a bit. I wasn't a big fan of like Paranoid and Android when they released that first yeah. single from that album. Um, and yeah, there are bits of. Day and Amnesiac, I can take or leave. But yeah. um, since then, I think they've just uh, produced again more and more uh, fantastic uh, albums and, and tracks. And uh, yeah, just sort of love pretty much everything the, they ever put out. So um, that's the reason for that one. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan. I mean, obviously, Creeps just an incredible song, and things like um, Street Spirit and what yeah. have you. Yeah, you just um, yeah, obviously, yeah, uh, you, you, unique as they say. Um, okay, back to the golf, and I'm conscious, uh, conscious of the time, and um, I mean, well, not not all the time we're, we're taking, but obviously, uh, uh, our li listeners' time. So um, I'm going to rattle through my last two picks um, fairly sharpishly, uh, and they're both three-figure picks, uh, and um, I'm going to side um, uh, with Brandon Wu and Aaron Badley again. So I'll come on to Bads in a second, but um, Brandon Wu is a player, and I know he was on quite a few radars last week, uh, and um, obviously he was. Uh, someone who certainly had caught my eye coming into Bermuda, but um, uh, he's obviously got some good um, good pedigree about him, good amateur pedigree. He's found his way out onto the PGA Tour pretty pretty quickly uh, and um, kept his card fairly comfortably last year. But um, one thing that um, he's, he's very much... Uh, uh, shown is that he's comfortable on these uh, coastal tracks and, and shorter coastal tracks. So um, uh, his first um, uh, sort of um, 
strong effort on the PGA Tour before he had a proper card. Was in Puerto Rico when he finished seventh in 2021. So again on the Pasvalum Greens, uh, and uh, then um, he got his full card for last season. Uh, started really slowly, uh, then um, finished third in Puerto Rico again. So that's sort of two two top tens on on the Pasvalum. Uh, he then um, went on to post his best finish on the PGA Tour so far in the other Mexico event. Uh, again on the Pass Ballum, uh, and uh, obviously in Mexico. So whilst a completely different part of the country, I'm sure just getting back to Mexico will bring him some positive vibes. Uh, he was six at the Scottish Open. Um, so again, you know, sort of uh, a good performance um, on, on a sort of um, shorter, sort of windy coastal track, if you like. Um, and um, for what it's worth as well, albeit a very different, well, not a coastal track, of course, but a, a, again, a sort of shorter track where his lack of length off the tee isn't relevant. Uh, uh, Central Country Club, he posted an eighth place there at the, at the Wyndham as well. So um, so he's come out this season and uh, he, he sort of played solidly in the first uh, his first few starts. Um, without anything spectacular. And that brought him onto quite a few radars last week in, in, in Bermuda, where he'd finished, uh, I think, top 25 last year. Uh, and um, he, he never really got going at uh, Bermuda. He, he played well on Friday, shot 64 to make the cut. Um, but um, he was... You know, he was lackluster on the greens, but um, he was 15th uh, greens in regulation for the week. Um, so um, he's hitting it pretty well. And that is his um, his approach play is his strongest uh, asset. So my logic here is um, he's back on the pass ballon where his putter does seem to come to life to a certain extent, or certainly has done over his career so far. Uh, he's back in Mexico where he's obviously had his best performance. Uh, and um, he's obviously close, as the phrase goes, to say he posted a 64 in Bermuda. He had a 66 at the Zozo, a 65 at the Shriners. So um, he's, he's put in a good round, which is last three starts. So, so it's Brandon Wu, 125 to 1, one point each way. Uh, and then Aaron Bradley, um, Hills are dangling a carrot at uh, 250 to 1, uh, fifth of the odds, first eight. And um, having been on 150 to 1 last week and um, having watched him play so well through the week, um, uh, back on another coastal track, uh, very similar ilk. Um, again, he's produced the goods at Puerto Rico and uh, the Corrales events on the past Ballam over recent years. Uh, and if you heard any of his interviews uh, last week, he was talking really positively about where his game's at. So, um uh, he's been working with a new coach for the last few months. Um, he's put some really solid results together, which is what led me to contemplate him um, last week in the first place. So um, so I'm not going to desert him. Um, uh, he just posted his best start in three years plus on the PGA Tour. So, um, you know, 250 to one, I'm going to stick with him and see if he can build on that. So um, that's my last two picks. Um, uh, have you got any other names you I can tease out of you, um, Phil, other than Keith Mitchell? Or are you going to, uh, is it Keith or Bust for you this week? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with Keith. You've um, you've done a, a far more uh, thorough job than I ever could. Um, but embarrassingly, it was just when you mentioned Brandon Wu there, and I was reading your piece while you were talking about him. Um, I was at the Scottish Open where he finished sixth, and I wouldn't have been able to t <laughs> if you'd told if you told me that I'd have said you were lying because I just can't don't remember him that week at all. Don't even think I spoke to him after a round. So it's funny how you sort of you sort of miss these players. Um, doing these things because you're focused on, for example, Matt Fitzpatrick, he finished on the same score as, yeah. uh, as Fitz in tied sixth. Obviously, yeah. Shoffle won to make it sort of three wins out of three. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just thought it was strange that, um, yeah, 
barely any notice to to Brandon who shot 67 in the first round and 67 in the final round so never really was on the radar that much yeah so, he's got a crypto up there and I think that got him a place did he get a place in the open the following week as well possibly um, uh, um possibly were, were, yeah it's a good question I'd have to double check yeah, what, yeah. what I wrote on the, yeah, <laughs> on the bit, Sunday um, night at 9 p.m whenever the bloody yeah. Open finishes. but um yeah he's uh he's obviously someone he's got a bit of pedigree about him and um he's obviously someone who likes this kind of test and as I say he does seem to his putting's a weak link as is with a lot of these uh the, these guys who sort of are pretty solid in, in their approach play and um uh but he for whatever reasons he's produced his best stuff on this past ballum so um um yeah it's uh uh it'll be uh some two by blur if he wins next week so <laughs> woo woohoo so um, oh very yeah. good i like it <laughs> um, yeah so uh, my last musical pick for the week um i with aaron badley there's only one way i could go um on halloween day of course um is uh with some badly drawn boy oh, good, uh, yeah. and uh it is um the uh badly drawn boy tune the shining uh had to uh it's not about the shining the film i don't believe so uh, uh but uh, i'm sure there's plenty of people who are sort of uh uh curling up to watch the shining on the halloween evening so um uh it seems seems appropriate to throw that badly drawn boy uh uh tune in and hopefully he won't be badly drawn this week on the wrong side of the draw let's hope he gets the right side of the draw which uh to be fair he did get last week in in, in bermuda for what it's worth so uh it's from um badly drawn boys david album 2000 the hour of bewilder beast which also sounds a bit halloweeny really so um so uh yeah this, the last thing to wrap things up with is a free bet we give a free bet away each week uh and um uh five pound free bet for those who throw in their tunes and um uh it's a tune obviously linking in with um uh by the last week's or this week's golf and uh, uh i won't rattle through all the picks we've had because um, a bit short of time uh, so, um i think matt round said uh instead of maya cobra my sharona by the knack um, <laughs> uh interesting selection uh we've had a few for uh, uh the power by snap but um i'm not going to pick that one thank uh, god for I'm that afraid. um uh the wind by the fray because of obviously the wind blowing in bermuda last week um uh someone put forward a uh, seamus by um pink floyd i don't actually know that pink floyd track but it's probably a, a a good tune but um i'm gonna give uh the bet this week to uh uh martin butler well done martin and he went with a tune that i've admit i've never heard of before but i went and checked it out a kind of thing dave tyndall might like a touch of northern soul in there uh by someone called the Exciters, who were a 60s band, um, American band, uh, and they also have a tune called He's Got the Power. Uh, and um, that's um, the winner of this week's free bet. So well done, Martin. I will uh, be messaging you to let you know, you know, talk to you about your pick and all the rest of it. But um, uh, so that's this week's free bet. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be back for the Houston Open. Delighted to say that um, Niall Lyons from Odd Checker will be back with us next week. So we're really looking forward to Niall, having Niall back on again. Um, uh, and um, yeah, but that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, Phil, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. Um, remind us uh, where people can sort of find you on Twitter and, 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 and what have you, if they want to sort of keep an eye on what, what, what you're, you're writing and what you're doing and, and what have you. Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter as at PKCSAFC. So be warned that you may come across some inadvertent uh, tweeting about Sunland Association Football Club. So uh, if you do follow me, then just beware when Sunland, Sunland are playing that you might, uh, might have to put up with a load of guff and complaints about the referee. But um, yeah, that's where you can uh, find me, usually tweeting mainly about golf. 
Um, and otherwise, we look out for you in the press conferences when you're um, asking those uh, uh, pertinent <laughs> questions to uh, the likes of Cam Smith that they don't want to answer. So, um... well, uh, yes, hopefully, I might. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if I have the nerve to do it again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and next time we have you on, we'll talk about Jack Rodwell. <laughs> so oh, oh good lord, no! <laughs> he's from our part of the world over here. You see, so uh, you'd need uh, a beeping. He... You need a yeah. You'd need some sort of language warning, probably. But... Yeah, I think he's out in Australia now, isn't he? Um, oh, is that where he ended up? Yeah. Think he's out there so um so a quick quick recap of uh my picks for the week we've gone colin morikawa uh 18 to one two and a half points each way um andrew putnam at 66 to one uh cameron champ at 80 to one uh brandon Wu at 125s and bad zaren badly at 250s uh the last four all the points each way uh and all of them are fifth of the odds first eight um my musical selections for the week um it was just a couple from me um which um were 100 ways to kill a love by power of dreams uh and uh the shining by a badly drawn boy um and uh phil remind everyone of your musical picks for the playlist if, if you remember them oh hang on i've just closed my notebook i'll have to get oh, open right. again so uh, no we, had, we had uh, can't stand me now by the libertines uh stop me if you think you've heard this one before by the smiths uh still can't find the phone by gene uh slight return by the blue tones and the numbers by radiohead Marvellous. Um, apologies we run over slightly, but I'm sure you can understand why it's been uh, fantastic to have Phil on for the first time and hear all about, uh, obviously, the life um, uh, or, or the world of sort of life in the golf uh, media, as it were, and uh, to chat about all things going on um, uh, in the world of golf at the moment. So, Phil, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, absolutely fantastic to have you on. Uh, My pleasure. And, Thanks for um, having And um, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, remember, bet responsibly, uh, but good luck with your bets for this week. And um, um, of course, turn the music up loud and we'll see you all again next week. Good night.